thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you and praise you. Lord, we just give you praise and glory and honor that you are a living hope, Father God. You're the one we trust in. You're the one we hope for. You're the one who leads and guides us and protects us and gives us strength. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And we praise you for that this morning. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for your many blessings upon us and upon your word this morning and upon your truth. And Lord, I just pray that, that the words that I speak this morning, Lord Jesus, will be the words that you would have me to speak. And Lord, they would pierce the heart, get through the heart, through the spirit, to the mind, and to the understanding, Father. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You know, it's, um, last week, I just want to say a little bit about DBS. It was a great week and we had a lot of kids in this room and, um, it was awesome. You know, it's, it's neat to see, um, people work together. It's neat to see teams and, you know, thank the Lord we brought, we brought a team together and everybody did their part. You know, um, it's just awesome to see God work in lives. You know, we don't, we may never know what emphasis and what impact we might've had on some of these children. You just don't know. Cause you know, the Bible talks about somebody watering and somebody, you know, somebody planting and watering and then reaping the harvest. So we might not ever know, you know, and, but we know that we touched some lives and we know that, that there were things said that were seeds and those seeds were planted. And we thank the Lord for that. And I just want to thank everybody that helped, everybody that came alongside and did their parts and thank Darren for having the vision for it and, 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 and the others that, that pulled in, the Colette who has the vision for all the stuff you know, that it takes to do it. And it's awesome. And I just want to thank God for that. And thank, thank you. And thank everybody that here. I hope you got a little bit of rest yesterday. And you can get rested this week. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, I, um, this morning, my sermon is called Jesus, Our Good Shepherd. You know, one thing we need to realize is Jesus is our shepherd and he's our good shepherd. Amen. And we like having good shepherds, right? And we should all strive to be there. And, and I'm going to be pulling out of Psalms 23. So those of you who have your Bibles and those of you at home, just pull up Psalms 23 and that's where we're going to be for the most part. And I'm, the, I'm going to read it in three different translations to start with before I, I get into my message. I, um, the first one, Psalms 23, 1 through 6, of course, it's in the New King James Version. I, I want to, I'm going to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say that. It's my shepherd. And I, I just wanted to um, note something before I go any further. You know, one of, the, one of the characteristics of a sheep is they're noted for their obedience. Did you know that? They're noted for their obedience to instruction and to gentle demeanor. So a shepherd doesn't have to whip and beat and beat him into shape to an obedient to the sheep that obey. 
I've read a statement. It said he only uses a rod and a staff to protect and comfort them. That's what the word says. But it does. He, one other statement this guy made was goats are not part of the herd because they are stubborn, stubborn and rebellious. So there's sheep and there are goats. They're two different things. And um, those of you who are goat lovers don't throw anything at me. But sheep tend to be more obedient. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? So his, his, his goodness, his, his mercy... And his goodness follows us. And we will dwell in the house of those, you know, those of us who are Christians, we will dwell in his house forever. There's no not doing that. You know, once, once we go on to heaven, we'll be there forever. And then the, the new living says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. He feeds us even when we're in the presence of our enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Then in the Amplified, it reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, Though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my brimming cup runs over. Surely or only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. Amen. You know, when we accept Christ and we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we, we have the presence of the Lord with us all the time. We, we dwell in that, that place. You know, the definition of a shepherd is to guide someone or something. So we look at Jesus, and, and I know we're in Psalms, we're in Old Testament, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd, but Jesus is our Lord, right? And he is our shepherd, and he leads and he guides us, and he is a good shepherd. He guides us. He leads us and guides us. So 
The definition of a guide is a person who leads or directs other people on a journey, a person who helps to direct another person's behavior, their life, or their career. So we should, we, we should look at Jesus and, and allow him and realize that he is um, he's, he's guiding. If we'll allow him to, he leads and guides our journey. We're all on a journey, right? We're all on a journey from the day we're born till we go to be with him. We're on a journey. And he, is, he leads and he directs us. But we have to be obedient. Like I said, the obedient sheep. And we have to allow him to lead and direct us. Or we take off on our own paths and then we mess up. A person who helps to direct another person's behavior, life, or career. So our whole life, our career, no matter what that is, if we choose the career that God has for us, no matter what, he will direct that. He will lead us through it. He will guide us through it. He will give us what we need. Right? He says, I, won't, I, don't, I don't have any needs. The Lord is my shepherd. He gives me all I need. I won't be lacking. I won't want. He gives you what you need to do what you need to do it with. And also the, sheep, the shepherd can be considered a caretaker. Not only physical, but spiritual care. All of it. Physically he can help us. Spiritually he can help us. See, I, I, I read this. I want to give you this commentary on a shepherd. It's a different one. It says the shepherd is responsible for the burdens of the sheep. So the shepherd's responsible for the burdens of the sheep. You know, Jesus in the New Testament said, cast all your care on me. Lay your burdens on me. My yoke is easy. My burdens are light. So he has the responsibility of that. All trouble and struggles for the necessities of life are taken care of by the shepherd. One of the things we don't do is we don't realize. We don't realize what Jesus does and what he's done and what he's here for and what he does. I am, um, there's something I was last night, um, Peggy's um, family had a little get together and I was talking to one of her uncles and we were just talking and I don't know how he came up with the word trust, but he said something about trust and he said, you know, if we could just trust God like we trust our parents. I was like, hmm. I know everybody don't, there's some places people don't trust it. But what I'm saying is your parents, godly parents that you love, you trust them. You know, when you're, when you're little, you trust them, right? You know, they're going to clothe you and feed you and, and do all those things. So if we could learn that God is our, our good father, Jesus is our good shepherd, and we can trust him. It says he cares for their every need as far as they hear and follow his instructions. The shepherd says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a, there's a story in 2 Kings of a, a, a poor widow lady. It's in 2 Kings 4. I won't go there. You can go there and read it if you want to. And um, God, being the shepherd that he is, he sent somebody to intervene. The widow lady was had nothing and her, her, her husband had died or the shepherd of the home had died let's say, put it that way and there was a mortgage evidently of some type and they were getting ready to basically in our thinking to repossess her house and take all they had and they'd have nowhere for her and her children to stay 
But she, God intervened through a prophet. And he said, well, what have you got at home? I just got a little bit of oil. We'll go gather all the, the, the vials, all the little buckets or whatever you can find from your neighbors and bring it to your house and start pouring the oil. Well, you know what happened? They poured enough oil to pay off the debt and then live. So, see, God has a way if we'll just listen. And we, she could have chosen not to listen to the prophet, right? She could have said, no, ain't going to do that. You know, that's just crazy. But she chose to listen and he took care of us. So when we put our burdens on Jesus, our good shepherd, he'll take care of us and he'll restore our peace. You know, there was peace from then on in her home. At that time, she had peace because why? Because she listened and she obeyed and, and, and she was taken care of. So he says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's the supplier of our needs. Do you know that the shepherd provides all the needs of the sheep? The sheep, you know, it's, um, they, they don't have anybody else to look to, right? They have to look to the shepherd. We don't have anybody else to look to. And a sheep in the herd, they're content with the provisions that the shepherd has for them. Are we content with what God has for us and the, the provisions he has for us? You know, the shepherd will risk his life for the sheep. He protects them with the rod. He will lay down his life. Jesus loved us so much, he laid down his life for us. He protects us. He sacrificed his life. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Do you know that the provision that every sheep needs has already been provided for by Jesus? That eternal salvation was provided for already by him? So a key to this thing is, to me, it's just like the sheep is to be obedient, to obey what God says to do. No matter how different it might seem or hard it might seem or whatever is to be obedient and when we're obedient that allows God it allows Jesus to be able to provide for us to be able to give us what we need and when we need it be able to lead and guide us it's through our through being obedient Matthew 6 31 through 32 says so don't worry about these things saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He already knows your needs. You know, he knows where that next thing's coming from if we just trust him. Philippians 4.19 says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given us to us in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't do it out of our supply. He does it out of his supply. And we have to trust him. And he will provide what we need. And I'll say this. Sometimes we think what we want is what we need. He didn't say anything about I'll supply what you want. I'll supply what you need. 
Amen? He'll give you those things. He gives you what you need. One of the things that comes from the shepherd is he gives rest. You know, he said that he, he would basically give you rest beside the still waters. Definition of rest is to cease from action or motion, refrain from labor or exertion. Now, that's the physical side of it, right? Some of us, after Friday night, needed to cease from action or motion for at least just a little bit, right? Refrain from labor or exertion. But this next part is part of it too. It's not just your physical body, but it's, and sometimes we get caught up in that and all we want to do is rest. Right? But he says also to be free from anxiety or disturbance, to sit or lie fixed or supported, to remain confident, to trust. So to be free from anxiety or disturbance, he can give us that kind of rest he can give us freedom from that anxiety, from that disturbance. And part of being at rest is to remain confident. Remain confident that God will supply our needs. Remain confident that he is there to shepherd you. He is a good shepherd. And then trust, that's a big word. Like I just said, trust. We need to learn to trust God. You know, when you trust God, you don't get all as we say today, freaked out. That might be the way I say it. Some of you may say it different. We don't get all upset every time something happens. And you know what? I want to say something. As a Christian, if we really trust God and we tell people that we trust God, but every time they see us, that look of horror is on our face, there's something wrong. Because they need to know that there's peace. No matter what's going on, there should be peace on the inside of us, right? No matter what's happening, no matter how hard it is. See, we have to be an example of who he is. And that's being consistent. You know, you ever been around somebody just like, they're just kind of like chill, on an even keel. Every once in a while you see them raise up a little bit, but then they just keep... They, but I'd have to do that a lot of times. I have to like, you know, sometimes I just want to freak out. But I don't most of the time. Try to save that for Peggy. <laughs> you know, trust is confidence. This is the definition for trust. Confidence, dependence, and reliance to have confidence based on experience. See, if we start trusting God, we, we, we got experience with who he is. We have experience with Jesus, and we can trust him. If we have no experience, then that trust, that confidence, what can it be based on? I have a, a life based on since I was 18 yeah, 18, almost 19 years old, that's based on God. I've seen him do it time after time after time after time after time after time. You know, that's been about 20 years, and it's been a long time. <laughs> it's based on experience. 
That's why we need to, to trust God and we need to get in his word. We need to experience what he can do for us. So when somebody says, how can you have confidence right now? How can you have trust? How can you, you know, have dependence? It's because it's based on experience. You know, what? One of the, it's interesting to me that one of the other things was in here after trust was future payment. I was like, what does that exactly mean? Well, you know, if you have, if you trust in something. Okay, how many of you, you don't raise your hands. Because I know that's tricky. But how many of you maybe have put something back for retirement? You're expecting a future payment, right? Don't know how much that's going to be. Right? You kind of expect a future payment out of it. Hopefully you will. But see, in Christ, we don't have to just hope. We know there's future payment. You know what that payment is? It's eternal life. We actually already have received that payment. We just have to accept it and realize that when it's time, it's going to be there. We can't say that about our retirement because you just don't know about your monies. But I believe if you hear God and do the right things, then you will see that. So, he gives rest and he relieves stress. Those two rhyme. He gives rest and part of that rest is relieving stress. Do you know what the definition of stress is? It's strain and pressure. That can be physically and that can be mentally. Right? Strain and pressure. So he relieves stress. Don't be stressed. Trust the best. <laughs> Second Samuel seven eleven says, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from who? All your enemies. In other words, I'll give you peace. I'll give you trust. I'll give you confidence. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. So, you know, in the midst of all this, in the midst of these, this situation, in the midst of their enemy, he's given them a promise. Basically, I'm going to give you some rest from your enemies. You don't have to fear them. You don't have to be, you know, fearing them. You don't have to worry about them coming all the time. Isaiah 32, 18 says, my people will live in safety quietly at home. They will be at rest. Hmm. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. No, there, there's a condition in that. Come to him and give him your burdens. Give him your cares. Cast all your care on him, basically. And what does he promise? And I will give you rest. Don't try to do it yourself. Don't put all that burden on you yourself. Don't put all that. That's one way you can have peace and you can have contentment and confidence and trust is when you're putting it on him. You know, there comes time when you say, look, Jesus, I, don't, I can't handle this, but here you go. I'm giving it to you. I'm putting it under your care. You're my shepherd. You're my good shepherd. So do something with it. <laughs> 
Here it is. And if you trust God, he will show you what to do. Amen. And he will carry you to that next place. In Matthew, in the next verse in 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. So in other words, don't get that yoke of your own that you got. Take what yoke he has upon you and let him teach you. What goes along with that again? Obedience. Listen to what he has to say. Let him teach you. Let him show you. And through that, you will have what? Rest. You'll have peace. Some more things that the good shepherd does for us is he restores us. You don't have, you may have these in your notes, but I didn't put them up on the screen. But to restore is to give back someone or something that was lost or taken. To return someone or something. Because he's going to restore those things that have been taken away from you. Your joy, your peace, whatever it is, he's going to, he says that he would restore it. To put or bring something back into existence or use. You know what? You may have been, had a, a talent and maybe something that God had given you and you haven't used it. He says, I can restore that. Just come to me and say, hey, I'm ready and have that restored. He can put it back into existence to return to an er earlier or original condition, condition by repairing it and cleaning it. What has he done for us? He put us back into the original condition because he's washed us White as snow, right? He's cleaned it. He's repaired it. All that went wrong when Adam sinned, now he said, I'm putting you back into that place that I originally wanted everybody to be. That restoration of who we are in God, who God wanted us to be. So he restores us. You know, in one part of the Old Testament, it talks about um, he'll restore that what the canker worm has eaten. He'll restore all that stuff. You know what? You know, you've seen things that have been restored. You've seen people take a piece of furniture that looked horrible and they restore it and it looks beautiful. You've seen them take old cars that were terrible, rust buckets. They restore it back to original condition and it looks like it just drove out of the 1956 showroom or whatever. It's amazing. But see, that's what God's done us. He, when he sees us now, we're not that old broken down, tore up, messed up thing that, that he took and res, he's restored us. And he looks and that's the shiny thing that we were originally meant to be. Amen. And he refreshes us. He gives us refreshing when he brings the sheep by the still waters. They're refreshed by the waters. And if you read about a shepherd, they know the waters to go to and they only go to the good waters that the sheep can get refreshed at. They lay by the brick, the brook or whatever it is and they get refreshed. You know what? That doesn't happen in a second or two. It usually takes some time. So the shepherd leads him. He knows where those things are. He knows where those places are. So he takes them. Jesus knows where refreshing is for us. Refresh means to make someone have more energy and feel less tired or less hot. Amen to that. Right? I mean, he needs a little more energy. You need to feel less tired or less hot. It's going to be a hot one this coming week. Some of us are going to need to feel less hot. 
So he refreshes us to give someone more of a drink, to fill someone's glass or cup again. Jesus continually keeps us full if we will allow him to. He continually fills us up, refreshes us. To restore strength and animation to. In other words, restore that strength and that motion that we need to have. So he refreshes us. Jesus, our shepherd, refreshes us. He also renews us. The definition I got for renew, the first one was says to make new spiritually. You know, that's what Jesus has done to us. He has renewed our spirit. When we accept him, he renews our spirit, man. You know what? He can continually keep you renewed when you get kind of slack and kind of weak and you come to him. He renews you spiritually. To make like new, restore to freshness, vigor, or perfection. He's made us perfect in God's sight, right? Because of his blood. He restores us to freshness. Makes like new. Gives us vigor. Renew also means to become new or as new. How many of us know that I'm not new, but I could be as new, right? He can restore me as new. I wish that meant like your hair turning back the color it was. Your body turning back to what it was. Wouldn't that be cool? Boy, how many people would be getting saved? I'm not like, really? Oh, man. Psalm 71, 21 says, you will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. He's going to restore you to even greater honor. 1 Peter 5, 10 says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. So you think about after, it says after you suffer a little while, well, Why? Now, I want, I want to um, read something to you and, uh, before, and then I'll take you to the next slide. But Dr. Andrew Boner tells a story, uh, and it's um, happened in the Highlands of Scotland. And listen what he says about this. This is re- you if, listen to this intently because. If you ever wondered about God's timing, I think this is a good answer to it. It says, a sheep would often wander off into the rocks and get into places that they couldn't get out of. Uh Uh-huh. The grass on these mountains is very sweet and the sheep like it. And they will jump down 10 or 12 feet and then they can't jump back again. And the shepherd hears them bleeding in distress. Now you'd think the shepherd hears them bleeding in distress. What's he going to do? Go get them right quick? Mm-mm. That's not what happens. Listen to this. There may be, they may be there for days. Uh-oh. But they're eating the sweet stuff, but they're bleeding because they're ready. It says they may be there for days until they have eaten all the grass. The shepherd will wait until they are so faint they cannot stand. Or as they've been eating, 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 
and now they've eaten it all up and it's not there anymore and they're still down in the rocks and they can't jump up 12 feet like they jumped down. It says the shepherd will wait until they're so faint they cannot stand and then he will put a rope around him and he will go over and pull that sheep up out of the jaws of death. Why don't they go down there when the sheep first gets there? I ask. Ah, he said, they are so very foolish that they would dash right over the precipice and be killed if they did. See, God knows exactly what time he needs to rescue you, right? He knows what you would do if he just all of a sudden tried to go down to get you at that time. You'd... So he waits till the right time. That's why I say you need to wait on God. You need to be you need to do what you can do while you're going through it because sometimes he's coming, but he knows the right time. And we get ahead of that. We jump off the cliff. <laughs> and then we want to blame God for not coming when he said he would come. He didn't say when he, he would come then. He said he would come, right? I just thought this was awesome. And that is the way with men. They won't go back to God till they have no friends and have lost everything. And this last part I put up in my slide. It says, if you are a wanderer, I tell you that the good shepherd will bring you back the moment you've given up trying to save yourself and are willing to let him save you his own way. See, that's another thing. We always get ourselves involved and we know how to get out of the situation. And you know what we'd be doing? We'd be trying to throw up some stuff and pull up the rocks and jump up and we'd be trying to do all this stuff when that's not what we need to do. We need to wait for God to come. Yeah, but I, I donate up everything that was good and I'm just standing here and I'm getting weak. Well, you know, and hopefully, maybe, I don't know if the sheep learn a lesson from that or not. I don't know that. You know, it's that whole story about the grass is greener on the other side. It might be good and sweet, but it only lasts for a little while. And then you're in a place where you can't get back out. You know, when, when, when cows or horses or anything escape to go eat grass on the side of the road, they're in danger. Some of them get stuck down in the hills. You know, I've, I've had to help go get cows stuck in the woods and everything else because they wandered out from their place. They thought it was better, but it really wasn't. Another thing he does is he revives us. How many of you need a little reviving sometimes? The, the definition for revive is to return to, to consciousness or life. In other words, physically, you know, when, when people sometimes are dying, they bring them back to life, they shock them or whatever. Become active or flourishing again. We need to become active and flourishing again. We may have gotten slack in our walk with God. We may have gotten slack in what we're doing for him and how we're doing it. We need to be revived. We need to allow him to come in and revive us. We may be in this next definition. It says, to restore from a depressed, inactive, or unused state to bring back. We might need to be pulled out from a depressed state, an inactive state, or an unused state. Sometimes we realize we're not being used and we don't know why. And then the last one in the definition is to renew in the mind or the memory. So God can revive us. 
You can, hey, you remember, this is what I called you to do. This is what I want you to be doing. Not what you're doing. Not trying to do what somebody else does. Not trying to do their gift. Psalms 119.50 says, your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. His promise his promise is in the word. If we, we understand what he has promised and what he's given us. He comforts. The comfort means to give strength and hope to, to ease the grief or trouble of. He comforts us when we need the strength. Right? He, he, he eases the troubles and the griefs when things are happening. He can ease that. You know, when, when somebody passes, we grieve. He can ease that grief. He can ease that trouble. He can put, pick us back up. He can give us comfort. And we have to allow him to do that. Second Thess Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17 says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. So he's given us, through his grace, God has given us an, an eternal comfort. In other words, knowing that we have eternal life, knowing that we're going to be with him forever. That's comfort. That's eternal comfort. We don't have to be afraid of our eternity. We're in eternal place of comfort. And then he makes us overcomers. We can become overcomers. In Revelation, it says this, Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, we can be overcomers. How? We're overcomers because of what? The blood of the lamb. What Jesus did for us. You know what? We are overcome. We're overcoming this death that we were facing. You know, I'm not facing spiritual death anymore. None of you in this room that know Christ, you're not facing eternal damnation. You're not facing uh, spiritual death. Physically, yeah. But, you know, when we look at the victory, we look at, we can really feel like overcomers when we see that, you know, death can't get us. Jesus robbed the grave. He took care of that situation. So we just continue to live in a better place. You know, it's good to when you know when something happens that it's going to be better and better. Amen. So he calls us to be overcomers. It says he honors us by anointing us with oil. By anointing us with oil. It's a lot of times oil, in that situation, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He anoints us with the Holy Spirit who gives us life, right? Who gives us peace, who gives us joy, who's our, 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 our communicator between him and us. He honors us by anointing us with oil. And then... He, Last but not least, at the end of it, he says, we have a long life. So he rewards us with a long life. If we will obey him and follow him, we have a long life. 
Spiritually, we have a real long life. <laughs> we have a long life. We, um, God has so much for us. And if we can look at Jesus and realize that he is our good shepherd, he loves us. He doesn't have a whip and a, something to beat us with. He has a rod and a staff to comfort and direct us and lead us and guide us. I want to read that Psalms 23 again in the New King James Version. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to read it all together. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You, your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I pray that when you read this, and maybe this week you will go back and read this psalm again, and you can have a better understanding of what it is to have a good shepherd. What it is to have the Lord, to have Jesus as your shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Amen? He's a loving shepherd. And he's there for us. We just have to realize it. We have to realize it. And we have to be like good sheep. Obey what he says. Do what he says. Amen? Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room and every person watching online, Lord, that you would just bless them. And Lord, you would bring this understanding to them of what a good shepherd you are. And Lord, through that, we would realize that anything that happens in us, our lives, that we just turn it over to you. We cast those burdens when we get anxious, we remember who you are. When we want to stray off and we go into a bad place, remember your timing is the right timing. And you will rescue us. Father, I thank you so much for your word today. I pray, Lord, I lift up those who are sick. I, I lift up those who are, are um, in a bad place. Lord, I just speak wisdom to those and understanding and revelation to those that need to hear it and that need to know revelation. Lord, I just lift up those who may be questioning their life and questioning what's going on and why they are here and they don't understand this and they don't understand that. They don't understand why they're at and why they think the way that they do. But Lord, if we just turn our hearts over to you, we read your word and get in your word. You will lead God and direct us. And you will show us our path. And we will know that you mean good and you mean good for us. So Lord, I just thank you for that this morning. I lift up this day to you and I praise you, Father. And Lord, this morning as we take communion together, Lord, 
we do this as we remember what a good shepherd you are. And you always had us in mind your whole life. Your sacrifice was because of us, because of your love for us. So Lord Jesus, this morning, we do this to remember that and to remember who you are and what you are and what you have for us. So Lord Jesus, we take this bread, this body of yours, and we take this to remember the sacrifice that you made for us. You allowed your body to be broken for us. So Lord, we do this this morning in remembrance of that. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for your blood shed for us. And Lord, that you were that sacrificial lamb for us. And through that, we have salvation. We have eternal life. We have peace. We have this rest. We have all of these things. We have you as our good shepherd. And you lead God and direct us. And we thank you for that this morning. And Lord, we do this to remember your sacrifice, your blood shed for us that delivers us, sets us free. And we thank you for that. We do this in remembrance of that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I just pray for your peace and your joy and your grace and your mercy to follow us, Lord, this week, Lord. And, and we may take time to reflect on your word. We might take time to hear and listen and hear your voice. We thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. We just to stay a minute. Darren's going to come up. And, you know, um, I say again, thank you, everybody, for all your hard work this week. God bless you. Yeah, I reiterate that. Thank you so much.